0: You're listening to High Temperature Times, and as you might have heard, we're doing a whole month of short podcasts on refractories in the ferrous and non-ferrous metals industry. We've talked with some great guests and learned about some great applications, and this week is no different. I'm here with Corey Forrester to talk about direct-produced iron for the steel industry. Hey, Corey. Hey, Griffin. Funnily enough, the last time you were on, we talked about launch pad refractories prior to the launch of the Perseverance rover, and now we're back with you again shortly after Perseverance successfully landed on Mars's surface— what have you been up to since then?
1: Oh, just keeping busy here, uh, Griffin. Um, despite my involvement on, on some of those uh, rocket launch pad materials, primarily what my focus is is actually on sensor technology like LiDAR and infrared and various ferrous or steelmaking applications.
0: That's pretty cool. This this uh, steelmaking, the direct reduced iron, is the newest up-and-coming technology for the ferrous metals industry. Can you tell me a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, well, it's uh, certainly you know, growing in the amount of buzz that we hear about it, uh, but one of the main things contributing to that is the fact that it's a mature technology, right? Uh, and people see it as a viable path forward. So essentially, DRI stands for directly reduced iron, uh, and it differs from, uh, say, a blast furnace process in, in two primary ways. Uh one is that instead of uh creating the atmospheric conditions like what is done in a blast furnace by using coke or, or carbon, we are actually in a DRI process manufacturing that gas prior to, to the process. Uh and then the second part of it is instead of getting a molten iron out of the bottom of, say, a blast furnace in a DRI vessel, uh it is not going to be a molten product being made.
0: So let's take it absolutely all the way back to basics. You're taking iron ore in, and you're getting direct iron out. What does that process even look like?
1: Generally, they're like a shaft furnace in which uh, you are feeding in an iron ore from the top, uh, and you know, enriched gases are in there you know, to promote the right atmospheric conditions to strip the oxygen away from the iron ore and to turn it into a
0: metallic iron. Interesting. Crawford talked about the environmental sustainability of EAF steel making. The industry is really pushing hard on being more environmentally friendly, and direct reduced iron does more than just make iron for steel making, right?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. So DRI actually has the potential to be, uh, you know, a carbon neutral iron making process that would feed into the steel industry. So Crawford highlighted um that EAF steel making is a green industry you know, primarily because it uses a recycled feedstock. Uh, And predominantly the EAF uh, steelmakers are the ones who are taking advantage of the fact that steel is infinitely recyclable. So this is certainly true, but the steelmaking industry, if we look at it holistically as a whole, we can't necessarily say they're as green uh, because there is an inherent imbalance between the amount of steel scrap that is available versus, uh, you know, essentially what the steel demand is in the economy. So that shortfall kind of between the two, uh, between the EAF route versus the produced from an ore route is why the blast furnace is, is used. The reason why this is problematic is that the chemical equations, uh, for the reduction of iron ore in the, in this, uh, iron making process hinge on carbon, uh, to be the reductant and in the process of that CO2 is generated. One other thing to preface before going into how DRI is different is to acknowledge that there's been a lot of work done in blast furnaces to make them more efficient and to reduce the overall amount of emissions. So in contrast, DRI actually hinges on hydrogen being the primary reductant and the byproduct of that reaction, uh, believe it or not, is water. Now hydrogen production isn't inherently carbon neutral by any means, Uh, But there's also a pathway forward for it to be carbon neutral by replacing the traditional hydrogen production processes to produce what they would call a brown hydrogen, using processes like steam methane reforming, replacing those with relatively new technologies like electrolysis of water to produce what they would call a green hydrogen. Now, even electrolysis of water isn't Uh, necessarily carbon neutral either. It all depends on essentially what kind of electricity is used in that process. You know, so in that process, they're using a form of electricity, as mentioned, it could be any form, you know, it could be a renewable one or a non renewable one. But it is used to pretty much turn h2o into the two even more basic building blocks, which are hydrogen and oxygen. And oxygen is obviously another valuable industrial gas. Now, if a renewable energy is used or even a nuclear energy is used uh, in the production of hydrogen using this electrolysis process, then it could be classified as a green hydrogen and it could be used as a carbon neutral method for iron making. There's quite a lot of interconnectivity, uh, as you can see, and it really highlights that in order for the steel industry to hit its uh, carbon neutral goal by, say, 2050, it's entirely dependent on on a paradigm shift in, in other industries as well primarily the energy industry.
0: Yeah, I think it's a great perspective is being carbon neutral by twenty fifty is you said the DRI is a mature process, but it is still quite young compared to some of the much more established steelmaking and iron making processes.
1: Certainly. I mean and, and just as an FYI, you know, the blast furnace goes back as far as you know, when they were pretty much using wood products uh, simply to fire these units, so you can imagine, see, or you can imagine how inefficient these processes were, in which you weren't even using a coat product
0: uh, as your reductant. One of the cool things I read about the iron produced, sometimes called sponge iron, is that it's produced as an easily transportable iron briquette. Is shipping iron briquettes a common process, or do steelmakers prefer making the iron and then steel all in one shop?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, one that really depends on kind of the corporate strategy and and from company to company. There's two primarily different ways to produce DRI and to use it, Uh, you know, you have a hot and a cold path. So hot DRI versus cold DRI. In a cold DRI path, you are essentially producing DRI. It is allowed to go back down to room temperature. And then the target for, for that DRI's use could be pretty far away from where it's actually produced. And when talking about who can actually use the DRI, I mean, even in the EAF steelmaking process, we, we somewhat talk about how, you know, this directly reduced iron is, is there to replace, you know, some of the capacity of, of a blast furnace. Uh, DRI even, you know, at certain carbon levels can be used to supplement EAF steel production. So, you know, an EAF steel producer could be using, say, 25 or 30% DRI and the remainder of steel scrap. And that helps make up for the shortfall between the overall amount of steel scrap that's used versus the overall amount of steel demand that we have. Mm. Now, on the hot route, you have thermal efficiencies to gain. So even in the process of uh, creating the DRI, it is another high temperature process in which These are refractory line vessels, much like the other steelmaking processes. And there is going to be an inherent amount of latent heat. If that material can be transported and put into a steelmaking process vessel, while it is hot, you're going to gain some energy efficiencies there uh, because that's all energy savings that you're not gonna have to put into the product to get it to melt. And when we talk about transportation and how easy it is to transport say, a hot briquetted iron, one of the things to consider there is that uh, the briquetting process is going to really increase the density of the product, which gives you some benefits to shipping. And then the other main benefit there is it's going to make it a little bit more oxidation resistant. So all of uh, the metallic iron that you went through so much trouble to produce is not going to oxidize and then go back into pretty much a rust, essentially, uh, as you're trying to melt it down.
0: Excellent. Thank you, Corey. I look forward to seeing what the future holds for DRI technology and how HWI can support that industry. If you'd like to learn more about direct reduced iron or any of the brands involved in that industry, reach out to us at technical dash marketing at thinkhwi.com. And given that this is a five Monday month, we actually have one last episode to bring you to close out our metals March. Join us next week for that. And as always, thank you for listening.